you know a lot about golf. Well, we're waiting. It is us, we being those weekend golf guys. I am John Ashton in studio. He is Jeff Smith, temporarily in Indiana again. Yeah. Out of all the times that to, to be in Indiana, this is probably the two-week period that I think of. <laughs> right? That's, this is it, baby. All the corn's been used in mazes now. It's, you know. <laughs> exactly right. That's what they're doing right now. They're chopping them up in little bits and pieces, making you crazy. <laughs> you realize if we, if we still called corn by the name that the Native Americans called corn, it would be a maze maze. I'm amazed that you can think of it that way. <laughs> We sit back in amazement. <laughs> <laughs> he, he meant no pun by that at all. Hey, no. I got to tell y'all, man, I had had the pleasure, and it was indeed a pleasure, of being asked to guest on a uh, another podcast. We recorded it last night. A bunch of guys down in Tampa. Uh, you know. Is that the name of the podcast? A no, bunch of no, guys the in name Tampa? Of it is, name is, <laughs> the name of the podcast is, can I tell you about my albatross? Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you about my albatross? Good thing the word albatross is in there. Otherwise, this could go a whole different direction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Briefly, the guy's story is that he was in a tournament and he was in second place by three shots. And on the 18th hole of par five, he hit a marvelous drive straight down the middle and the three wood of his life. And he knew it was probably very close to the green. But when they got up there, they realized it was in the cup. Oh, no way. Yeah. So his albatross on a par five tied him for the lead in the tournament. And he. uh, Did he know it at the time? Was he like aware? When he saw where the ball was, he was aware. Yes. (laughs) He's like, "Uh oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Did the nerves kick in at that point? Uh oh, unfamiliar territory. Yeah. Yeah. Terribly. The, the nerves kicked in after the fact, I believe. But you got to check them out. Can I tell you about my albatross? It's, it's pretty funny. They've got like eight or nine episodes up, and uh, and they they recorded in a in a shed in their backyard in Tampa somewhere, which I hope it's air conditioned because in the summertime it's going to get real. But that's hot. like that, Tampa. That's in you know mid Florida. There's a bunch of retirees are there. I mean, maybe that ought to call their show. Can I tell you about my knee replacement? <laughs> <laughs> But they're not retired. Uh, one one of them, however, I never got his real name. They call him Panda, but he's a uh, he's a teaching pro in Tampa somewhere. And um, they they were just pretty cool. It was it was a fun time. So check them out. They're good guys. Uh, cool. You know, don't don't let them replace us in your in your hearts and minds. But uh, you know, you've got room, right? That's what you tell your kids when you have another one on the way, right? There's room for we have enough love for two. <laughs> really? Then how come I didn't get all of it before? <laughs> You've been holding out on me. You've been holding back, Dad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. I've been rationing. <laughs> it's like the food, so you don't weigh eight hundred pounds. Yeah. <laughs> but so, um, so. You know, here I am, you know, back in Indiana, you know, teaching a little bit of golf here at Timbergate, mm-hmm. right? Some of my local clients, I'm not advertising for more or any of that stuff. I'm just taking, you know, the the ones I promised that I would work with them when I got back. Right. And, um, and pretty soon, you know, it's off to even warmer client climbs when, uh, 
when all of a sudden it starts to get the leaves start to hit the ground around here, they're still, they're still, uh, you know, coming back from Colorado and all the beautiful leaves that, that hit out right. there, that's end of September, early October. Mm-hmm. And in that first week or so in October is unbelievably beautiful. And then comes the ugly drive oh, yeah. after that. Right. And then, then I hit back in Indiana and all of a sudden the green is now turning to browns and reds and golds and, you know, now it's starting to turn. So great time to be in Indiana. And then pretty soon when it goes away here, I got to drive South and catch some more. Yeah. Yeah. You're just, just following the leaf changes. Yeah. That's you, man. That's, you just, know, here's the funny thing is about it is there aren't a whole lot of leaves down in South Florida where I'm headed. Yeah. Yeah, strange, but, uh, strange but true. There are, and they change color too. Yeah, because kind like a chameleon. Yeah, which they also have in South Florida. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I know. <laughs> and on the odd occasion when it gets really, really cold, they fall out of the trees. <laughs> it's raining chameleons. So. Yeah, you know what? What I notice is a big difference in the places that I get to be, and the place I get to travel to, and play golf, and teach. Grass and sand. Wind is everywhere, right? It's howling everywhere or it's calm or mild or whatever everywhere, right? But all of a sudden, the grass changes and the sand changes. The texture, the depth, the the overall feel of it, right? It's interesting. Um, I was out in Colorado. It's heavy, dense. Mm -hmm. Doesn't poof a lot. Okay. Thuds, right. Indiana is uh, a little bit heavier and it thumps here. Right. So oh. it doesn't poof a lot, but it's hard to get a, a sound out of the, the, you know, other than just a thud. And it's like, it's more, um, Oh, let's say wet feeling hard mm-hmm. and wet feeling, but you get down to South Florida and all of a sudden the sand is, it poofs and right. it's dry, and fluffy, and fluffy, right? Yeah. And you're like, this is a whole different kind of game. So it's interesting because here I am teaching different kinds of bunker shots to people in different scenarios, and here I am recommending different kinds of wedges to them mm-hmm. with different kinds of bounce angle on the bottom. You know, I got a, I got a few players that travel a lot to different tournaments, and I tell them bring extra wedges. And I make sure that they have different wedges with different widths of sole plates and different bounce angles. For example, um, uh, Ava Bunker, friend of the show, the, mm-hmm. you know, the little 16-year-old who's beating the crap out of people all over the place. right? She's spending more time in Florida. And so I'm talking to her about getting a little bit wider sole plate on the flange of her, of her, her wedge because it helps in that nasty god awful bermuda grass when the ball sits <laughs> down right you get more mass below the ball so you get a little bit wider sole plate you get a little bit more mass down there and then it also helps a lot in that fluffier sand so you can be aggressive without ever feeling like you're going to stick it in the sand right because it's got a sole plate on there that just doesn't let that happen so anyway i'm just thinking you know yeah. difference in where you go differences in the things that you have to deal with you know you could talk about air density and 
okay, it's it's more dense in Florida, and yeah, it's drier in Colorado, and it's higher in Colorado, so the ball's going to fly far and all that. Yeah, whatever. But let's talk <laughs> about the differences in what you got. The surface you're playing off of is different. Um, that's, that's out in Colorado, true, I got bent grass, and up in Indiana, we got bent grass and bluegrass, and down in Florida, we got that vile Bermuda grass. <laughs> and don't forget the zoysia. Yeah, I've seen zoysia, and it's not nearly as heinous. Really? Yes. Bermuda grass, it's, I don't know. I I don't want to say I'm not a fan, but I think vile and heinous and nasty (laughs) are words that just continue to fly out of my mouth every time (laughs) there's Bermuda grass around. That does kind of tend to uh, color your opinion. Yes. (laughs) It does a little bit, but you know, I've spent a decade of my life in North Carolina where there's a ton of Bermuda grass Mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm not going to say that I hated it, um, that out loud a a few times, just once is clear enough. (laughs) Yeah. You've made the point. Yes, indeed. Okay. But it's also that pervasive nastiness on the greens as well. You get a lot of golf courses in the South and Southeast, especially that have this different strands of Bermuda grass on their greens. And they actually like call that the grass they like to putt on. And it makes me scratch my head. No, because just, why? I've spent a lot of time on bent grass and boy, it's nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I mean, most of the time when, when you, you listen to the description of the courses that they're playing the professional tournaments at, um, most of the greens are bent grass greens. Yeah, well, and they don't last long down there, so they get them. They get them living long enough for the tournaments down there. Is <laughs> that the problem sudden, with bent grass? Is it the, the heat? Well, yeah, it's a, it? it's a cool season grass. So, okay. you know, you throw a bunch of flamethrower every day at it, you know, and coming from the sky, and yeah. uh, you know, you got trouble. Yeah. yeah, you got trouble. It just doesn't like heat and humidity, man. If, if there's heat and water and bent grass, the bent grass is soon to be gone. But if there's heat and water and Bermuda grass, Bermuda grass is like, hey, let's go. Yeah, I'm yeah, here. Bring, bring it on. It's like it just breaks out the sunblock and goozes it all over <laughs> itself and says, come on, let's do this. But a lot of the Bermuda grass are, are like a coarse blade Bermuda grass. And then you have to deal with all that grain that it throws at you as a golfer you deal with this thicker denser blade of grass that actually steers your ball in a different direction than what you're feeling on the slope you're like come on man what is this would you be willing sir to take the rest of the show and maybe coach us on how to play different grasses hang on one second words out yes (laughs) hang on one second you know, I'm going to take credit for this, whether Jeff wants to give me credit for it or not. But when he was out in Colorado, living alone, eating beefaroni and pizza, I suggested he try Hello Fresh. You know, when you've got a crazy schedule like he has teaching all day, well, you don't have time to cook. You don't have time to go to the grocery store. You want mealtime to be special. You want to have a great dinner. You need Hello Fresh because all of Hello Fresh's stuff are quick and easy options. 15-minute meals. And with everything pre-portioned and delivered right to your door every week, it's a no-brainer. Even Jeff can do it. Take the hassle out of meal planning. It also saves you money. Do you know that? HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% less expensive than takeout. Less stress in your day, more money in your pocket. What could be better? Go right now to HelloFresh.com slash 50 weekend. Get 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh.com slash 50 weekend. 50 weekend. Use the code 50 weekend 
and you will get 50% off plus free shipping. We'll be right back. Don't you move. The Approach Shot. The golf show that's more laughs than links. Nine-year veteran of Major League Baseball, Steve Psycho Lion. Is it the same thing when you're facing a, a fastball? It seems longer to get there than the minuscule amount of time it actually takes to travel that far? No! No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, then. Download an episode or two of The Approach Shot today at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. And find us on the web at ApproachShot.net. And we are back, those weekend golf guys. I'm John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith. Do you remember? There's an old Steppenwolf song. I remember. Yeah, old Steppenwolf song. I remember. It was called "Don't Step on the Grass, Sam." And oh, I thought it was "Born to Be Wild," but that's it, not. Well, that that is an old Steppenwolf song, but not one okay. that you have to dig into your recesses of your memory to to pull up. Yeah, but it was it was about marijuana, but it was about the the bad because it was like it's something something mean and nasty. Don't step on the grass, Sam. And uh, hmm. so that might be a good theme for this entire episode here. It's just don't step on the grass, man. But different, I, I mean, different clubs. That's 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 a a level above where most of us would be. We're not going to go out and buy separate wedges for different kinds of grasses. I mean, that's unless, unless we're really, really into it. Well, look, if you're a traveling golfer, right. You really may want to consider it. Okay. And here I am. No, I'm not a shill for Bob Vokey and Titleist for selling more Vokey wedges. Okay. Just, just hear me out. Yes. I'm on their staff and have been, but that's not what I'm talking about. Okay. Okay, so let's say that you're a relatively serious golfer, meaning you go on golf trips for yeah. fun. Okay, so is it unheard of for, let's say, the guy who's got a jillion putters in the basement and never gets, you know, he gets a new driver every year, right? And uh-huh. he's got those sitting around. I know. I'm looking right here at the screen at you. Okay. I'm just, I'm just looking. Okay. I see what I see Uh in front of me. Okay. And, uh, is it, it's, it's not too much of a problem to have, look, the driver's costing now how much, John, four, five, six. Yeah. There's like $600 now, except that's not what you're telling your wife. Cause you got a deal, right? You traded in a couple of oldies, right? (laughs) <laughs> that she doesn't even know you got, right? And you got you got this one for a song. And oh no, I traded this one out for some advertising on the radio. That's, sorry, whatever excuse that you give <laughs> to what you actually paid for the driver, that's a new one this year yet again, or that those those Scotty Cameron putters or those Betnardis or those you know like come on man. A wedge, an extra wedge. You're you're barking up that tree. You you're trying to pull that one over on me now. Really? You know, I was just thinking too. It's not just not just serious golfers that take a lot of golf trips, but I mean, there are a lot of amateur tours these days. I've got some friends who play in the um, it's the Golf Channel's amateur tour, and um, yeah, I mean, they right. they travel all over the country and play in those tournaments and and these guys are having a great time yeah but this is the perfect scenario to talk about this right you you 
you have equipment and there are certain pieces of equipment, they're, t- they're tools in your bag, mm-hmm. right? There's 14 chances to, to do something with a golf ball, right? You got different things that can happen with different wedges and irons and all this. Why wouldn't you consider, I do this with all my college players and all my teenage uh, players that are tournament players that travel all over the country. Same thing with the amateur tour players. Same, consider the tools you're taking with you. Mm-hmm. Under what conditions are you going to play? And doesn't this one make more sense? And to tell you the truth, what's two different clubs in the bag or two more clubs in the bag when you're traveling anyway? The bag itself, most of you taking a car, right? right? You're lugging clubs. Wouldn't it be a decent idea to take a couple of different wedges with you to play under the right conditions once you figure out the conditions? Yes, it would. Right? I know, John, it's not in your wheelhouse because that does require some sort of, let's say, testing. Yeah. You know what else it, it, it requires? And, and it requires a modicum of understanding. You need to know yeah. what what bounce is and what soul plates work with what, and and you know you have to know all that stuff. Unless right. of course so what, somebody has a chart, <laughs> Bermuda. This is what your wedge should look like. Bluegrass. This is what your wedge should look like. You know what's funny is that it's really about soft versus firm. Okay. Right. And then it's also about the type of grass and how the ball sits. Mm-hmm. So let's say that it sits down and it's soft. Okay. So I got to go down to go get it. But if it's soft, I want more bounce. Okay. Because I want the bounce to help me not dig into the ground while I'm sending the club to the bottom of the ball. Okay. Right. So it kind of kind of splats on the soft surface right below the golf ball. So that way the ground gives a little, but not too much. And then the club gets on the ball better. And then that interaction with the turf is a little better. But man, if I went in to that ball sitting down into soggy conditions and I didn't have a lot of bounce angle and I'd look at that and I'm like, well, I'd just plant tomatoes there. Wouldn't I, <laughs> wouldn't that thing just get into the ground so deep, so fast. <laughs> this doesn't really take a whole lot of uh, knowledge here. This takes a little bit of thought going, how do I want my club to get below the ball and interact with the turf? You know, if it was firm ground and I had a lot of bounce angle, I might have a chance to bounce it off the ground into the ball, right? Mm -hmm. I don't really want that. So I might want to go with a reduced bounce angle. You know, I might want to think about that stuff just a little. Yeah, you might. Right. So let's think about this. If it's that, <clears throat> Bermuda grass, mm-hmm. right? It's down there in Florida, near those boys in Tampa or south of that or mm-hmm. wherever, right? You know, you might want to consider playing those bigger bounce clubs because that ball sinks down into that stinking Bermuda grass real fast. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it's it's fluffy on top and it's got this, you know, root system below and it just drops halfway to most of the way down. You got to gouge it out. Okay. Man, that, I hate that grass. That sounds terrible. 
Sounds like work, man. It is. I think this this episode ought to be titled "I Hate Bermuda Grass." <laughs> Just get it out of the way, right? <laughs> but no, the point here is is that if you're traveling some and you learn how to deal with the conditions because you've got the right tools, look, you're not going to go change your set of irons out and you're not going to take your driver out. You, you take your wrench with you on your driver so you can adjust that on the fly in the middle of the round. I know you do, right? If that one are the right, got to crank this one. I need more draw setting, right? No. You're willing to make that adjustment and you're willing to pay a zillion and a half dollars for that driver so you can make that adjustment. And you're willing to pay $800 for that putter that isn't working, by the way. Um, but you won't buy an extra $125 wedge? Shame on you. <laughs> You deserve the high scores you get. One wedge or a (laughs) set of wedges, man. You know, I think it's important to play what the wedges, they they feel about the same weight and heft. You know, when you swing Mm -hmm. them in the air, you can tell one wedge a little lighter than another wedge, you know, by brand. And you can kind of get that feel, weight of the shaft and all that other stuff, right? But what if you had different wedges and you spent the extra couple bucks? Look, you started off easy. Go get the used ones. Go get the ones that somebody else has used for a, a year, you know, and see if the grooves are still good. Then buy yourself a used wedge, but make it different than your regular wedge. Okay. Take the sole plate and make it, give it more bounce, give it less bounce than the one you've got. And, and think of it that way and going, this is for a different condition. Instead of, Going at it, you know, you're not changing out your irons per condition. You know that. Right. Yeah. That's just a little bit too pricey. Yeah. Yeah. But a wedge isn't. It's just not. So let's let's go deal with that stinking Bermuda grass a little bit differently than we deal with that really nice bent grass. Okay. Not that I have preference. (laughs) No. (laughs) So let's let's keep that in mind and say, okay, what if it's I'm still up in the north and I still got bent grass? But what if it's soft and wet, gooey out? You know, you're playing after a rain. You're playing in the springtime. You're playing when it's just mush. Get out those bigger bounce wedges and save yourself, a you know, some filthy pant legs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know that deal. Oh, yeah. The spray right. back is not cool. Not I know. All. Hits you in the face. Yeah. Rides right up. Gets up all over your front leg. Next thing you know, it's up on your shirt. If you got back ball position and you're not in good shape with that, you know, you just splat. And then, you know, you come home and you can't hide the fact that you've been playing golf. <laughs> <laughs> you take those clothes off, throw them in the laundry, but you, you know, there's muck on them. It's, and that's, it's hard to get out, right? <laughs> it is. If that's hard to get out. Next time you put that pair of pants on, somebody's going to know you've been playing golf on a wet, sloppy day. You can't hide that job. <laughs> No, you can't. <laughs> Listen, when we come back, first thing I want you to do before we go any further, for, for those of us who don't understand the differences, explain what to look for in changing bounce. What what exactly is it and what, what does less and more look like? We'll be right back. We are those weekend golf guys. Is hiring a challenge? Yes. Do you love a challenge? Also, yes. You need a hiring partner, though, that can help you rise to that challenge. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. 
So instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's powerful hiring platform can help you do it all right there. They streamline hiring with powerful tools that find you matched candidates. So if you're like us, a small organization that doesn't have a whole lot of time to hunt down people, well, Indeed makes the hiring process all in one place easy. Candidates we invite to apply are three times more likely to apply to the job here than candidates who only see it in a search somewhere. Uh, That's according to US Indeed data. And we get one step closer to the hire by immediately matching with quality candidates. Our job, quality candidates, matched. Bam. Just like that. Want to try it? Of course you want to try it. We want to help you try it, too. Here's what you do. Go to Indeed.com slash weekend, and we'll hook you up with a $75 sponsored job credit. So if you have an opening now, you can start hiring now at a discount. $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash weekend. The offer is good for a limited time. Once again, $75 credit now at indeed.com slash weekend. You know, in the minute I've been talking to you, 16 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data. Be the 17th. Indeed.com slash weekend. $75 sponsored job credit is yours right now. With Indeed's matching platform, you will find who you need. Indeed, you will. And we are back, those weekend golf guys. John Ashton here, Jeff Smith there, and he's been talking about bounce. Some of us have been nodding our heads going, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Less bounce, more bounce. What does that look like? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know more bounce from less bounce if my life depended on it. All right, so let's think about as you hold up a wedge in front of your face, I want you to hold it up. Imagine holding it up where the shaft is pointed straight up in the air. Okay. Right? So there's the shaft. So the shaft is up in the air, Uh and then you're going to see the loft on the face. And then you're going to see that leading edge of the thing, which is that, you know, pointy part that always seems to skull the golf ball. Uh Right? (laughs) (laughs) And then there's an angle on the bottom of that club that goes below that leading edge, you know, a bunch of metal. And there's an angle of that. That's what they call the bounce angle when the shaft is upright. So if we got a vertical shaft and then you looked at the leading edge and then you'd see just about how much metal is at the bottom of that club, meaning below the leading edge, there's an angle from the leading edge all the way down to the bottom of that thing. And they call that the bounce angle because it would then bounce off the ground and bounce into the ball, which is what many of you folks do when you're scolding the crap out of it. And people go, wait a minute, why would I want more of that? Well, a lot of times we don't want our shaft coming in vertical and raising the leading edge. Sometimes we want that shaft angle to come in, leaning more forward, and then the the leading edge goes down and that bottom angle gets less because it's tilted more forward. Okay. That would be less bounce angle. But you look at the leading edge and you think, how high do I want that thing? The answer is not very high at all. But what I'm looking for is a wider sole plate. As I hold that wedge up and I look at that, how wide and curvy on the bottom is that sole plate from front to back. And there's a couple of wedges on the market today. I won't mention all of them, but I might as well mention one of them is a K grind by Vokey. This thing is amazing. It's this beautifully cambered rounded sole plate on the bottom 
So that way the leading edge isn't off the ground very much at all. And you still have plenty of soul plate to scuff and thud and plop into the earth that doesn't bounce off the ground a lot, yet it can displace a lot of sand. Okay. So now all of a sudden, this thing is like the perfect wedge for Florida. Write that down. <laughs> Write that down. That cave grind with the Vokey, they got 58 and they got 60. You know what you can do with that thing? You can swing it really hard and fast down into the sand just below, behind and below the golf ball, and that ball's coming out. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to open up the face of your club because it's got plenty of sand displacement on the bottom of it, and it's got plenty of up built into the face. All you got to do is put the ball a hair bit more forward in your swing and splat out the sand that comes and onto the green, and you're happy. Fluffy sand and soft surfaces, and when it's wet and gooey out, and you still want to hit that flop shot, yeah, that's a really good wedge for that. Okay. Good for Bermuda grass? As many things that can be as good for Bermuda grass, that's the one. Okay. Because right. it's good for fluffy sand and Bermuda grass, and it's good to play with in Florida and other southern climes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It is. All right. Because when your ball is sitting down in the Bermuda, which it will, because it does, stupid grass. Anyway, <laughs> um, that wedge has enough weight and mass on the bottom of it to help you drive it through the top fluffy part and get it below the golf ball and launch it up into the air. It's awesome. So if you don't have a thought in your head after listening to this show that you might want to consider using a different tool around the greens in different conditions, you ought to have your head examined. You know, For those who may not be able to uh, go back and repeat and understand the uh, the words you're saying, because there are no pictures accompanying this, would you suggest maybe before you take a uh, a trip with golf that you maybe stop by your local golf retailer where they employ knowledgeable PGA professionals? And say, listen, I'm going to insert name of city here. What kind of wedges would you suggest I take with me? Yeah, tell them that you're going to be playing in different kind of conditions. You know, you might want to even call, say, the golf course that you know you're going to Mm -hmm. and ask them, hey, what kind of conditions you playing in out there? Tell me about the sand. Tell me about you know, how soft and fluffy it is around there. And do you keep it soft and wet around the greens? Think of something like that. And the local guy right there can tell you, right? Because if you just call up your your local place, let's say you're in Indiana or you're in Kentucky, Mm -hmm. right? And you just call up your buddy down at the big golf store and you ask him, but he has never been there. Right. How does he know? Come on. Ask the people who know. Okay. They would be far better to tell you that sort of stuff. Now, let's think a little bit further here about this. Let's say that you're from the north, right? Uh And you're going to go to a southern golf course. And you haven't done this. You've listened to this show, and you haven't decided to go 
to think about, okay, maybe I ought to think about different equipment. Maybe I ought to think about how to do this. I want you to go to the bathroom and I want you to stare in the mirror and I want you to make the most angry face you can make and look at yourself and think, this is what it's going to be a lot. If I don't do <laughs> something. I've got the wrong problem. piece of equipment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's what I want you to do. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And just get used to that. And then imagine how about the three people that we're going on this trip with? How much of this do they want to see? Yeah, they don't want to see any of it. They don't they don't want they don't want to see you making good shots either. <laughs> but this is a way that you can get one up on those other three people that that you're going on this trip with. Would you suggest it be feasible if if it is financially available? to just load up on a set of voshes that is good for dry, hard conditions and one for dry, soft conditions and one for wet, soft conditions and one for wet, hard conditions. You mean that'd be like spending the same kind of money it is when you buy a new driver. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I know it's kind of funny that way. Use it? last year's driver and just expand your wedge collection just a tad. You know, I mean, something like that is so simple is understand, you know, look, as much the, the, the golfers that are listening to this show, they're just golfers and they'll click on any damn thing online oh, and yeah. they will listen to it and they'll watch it and they'll learn about stuff. And you could just get on the Titleist website or the Callaway website or what, whoever's website, right? And go look at how they describe their wedges and what their best use is. Right. And now all of a sudden you say, okay, well, I get it. Maybe it, it'd behoove me to have one of these and one of those in these conditions. You know, and you are, you're talking, you're, you're talking, you keep saying one of these and one of those. So do a you low think it bounce would be, and a medium bounce and a high bounce and one that's ground more off the back and one. one that's yeah, but not. I mean, would you, would you like, like take, take a, a sand wedge that has one kind of bounce and then a lob wedge with a different kind of bounce and then a gap wedge with yet a different kind of bounce and just, use those instead of getting three different or three wedges with the same bounce, you know, get four different sets of three. All right. So here's the thought. All right. So for the most part, the gap wedge is not the ones that I'm talking about here. And here's why. Okay. Because many times people are using the gap wedge as one that they chip around the greens with and they full swing. Yeah. Right. Both are something that's pretty consistent. Right. But once we get into the sand wedge, the 54, 55, 56, and all through the, the 60 degree ranges, the sand wedge to the lob wedge. Now, all of a sudden, you can do that complementing set of wedges thing. Okay. I got a sand wedge that's got a little bit more bounce because I might full swing this one on wet conditions and I need a little bit more bounce. And the lob wedge, I might not need as much bounce. The trouble there is, is that you can start with that assumption and say, I've got this complementing set of wedges now. I should be able to do all things with all of them. The truth is, is that there are some things that the gap wedge isn't good at. Okay. Like making a ball go really high, really quickly and stopping really high, very shortly, as good as the lob wedge is, right? Now but sometimes you need that lob wedge because let's say you actually go play on 
green that's fast and you're above the hole and you want more loft because most gap wedges are in that 50 to 52 range. And all of a sudden the lob wedge is in that 58 to 62 zone. Mm -hmm. You could be talking about something that's almost 10 degrees of loft difference. Just because you're going to use one because you like the bounce on it better. Now, come on. Let's okay. think a little bit further along the line. Than well, that. let's let's wait a minute and think further when we come back. It's time to take a quick break. We are those weekend golf guys. We're talking about wedges and conditions and matching them. Yeah, I'm confused too. I feel your pain. We'll be right back. If you're one of those companies that stayed open during COVID, I have some great news for you. Government funds are available to reward companies who stayed open during that challenging time. It's not a loan. You don't have to pay it back. Your hard work to stay open could qualify you for up to $26,000 per employee at refundsasap.com. That's refundsasap.com. You heard that right. Up to $26,000 per employee. This program is complicated, but nobody knows more about it than the tax experts at refundsasap.com. You pay nothing up front. They do all the work. Then they share a percentage of the cash they get you. Businesses of all types, including nonprofits and churches, can qualify, including those who took PPP loans. If you have five or more employees, let refundsasap.com help you get up to $26,000 per employee. Visit refundsasap.com. That's refundsasap.com. Refundsasap.com. Well, of course, we have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash golf guys. Go there and follow us. Like us, please. And we are back, and I've just been looking at my wedges, and I have no idea what these are. Those are the ones that point higher to the sky than the rest of them. Oh, oh, my gosh. They're, they're also the ones that have the shortest shafts on them, too. Yes, yeah. And, right. and they say, like, P and L and U and S. U. On, on my set, my old set of Ping Raptures, the metal on the wedges is really thick. Yeah, on it the is. Bottom. It's really helpful to get a ball up in the air. That's why they love those clubs. Yeah. They, they were the, I don't know, I don't want to say the first, but they were a great set of golf clubs for the regular guy to go hit high and far because they put so much weight at the bottom of those clubs, right? They're so thick at the bottom. Yeah. There's a lot of mass down there that helps the ball launch up in the air. And when they do that, they can take loft off the club, bend it more forward, so to speak, so they can still get the high launch that they wanted, but then they can have it go farther and they can advertise it and go, my club hits it farther than your club. <laughs> right? They were really good at that with that set of clubs. <laughs> yeah. And why'd they only make them one year though? Well, because I don't know why, because the marketing guys got them and said, hey, guess what? We did such a good job with that. We need to call it something else now. <laughs> cynic <laughs> sorry i don't know go go talk to somebody at scottsdale that works for ping and ask him the same question i bet you're going to get a very similar but yes a little less cynical answer well, last time i was at the pga show i asked him i said i got a set of ping raptures that i got in 2008 it's now 15 years later do you have anything better he goes not really no <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. engineering, engineering is engineering. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Didn't those things have like titanium insert faces too? 
I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So they could steal some weight from the face of the club and put it all around to launch the ball up high and crank the yeah. loft down so they could go far. Yeah. And high. And graphite shafts, a little more whippy. Yeah. So here we are talking about, you know, this stinking Bermuda and how to adjust your wedge shots around the greens. How about your ball position? Let's talk a little bit about that. Okay. All right. So let's think. The ball's going to sink down into the grass in that stinking Bermuda grass. Have I called it stinking Bermuda grass just yet this show? Not sure. This, this segment, this is the first segment? time. <laughs> okay. In that stinking Bermuda grass. And it sits down, right? So everybody starts thinking, all right, I got to gouge it out. Yeah, sure. You got to dig it out of there, right? All right. So people start putting the ball back in their stand. Well, the trouble with that is, is now they're going to go, oh, I got to chop down on that. Okay, I got it. But now all of a sudden the club you had in your hand is no longer the same club in your hand. It's got a lot less loft, so it didn't get up and out. So it doesn't face up enough. They're like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll open the face of this club. And when you open the face of a club, the leading edge points now up. And now the ball's back in the stance and you're swinging down on it. And people wonder why they top it out of the, that stuff and skull it all the time. Yeah. They're just kind of painting that picture for you, folks. Hey, guess what? Try it somewhere else, a different way. Yeah. Move the ball forward so that that club doesn't have to be opened up to get a bunch of loft. Let's put it up so that the club, as you're chopping down, you got a nice steep angle of attack coming in, but the ball's forward. And then the ball's close to the bottom of your natural swing arc. And lo and behold, you got a bunch of loft. You don't have the leading edge up and you get the thing below the ball and the ball pops straight up in the air and you're happy. Just pointing that out. You don't have yeah, to just do that. a couple of times. Try it just a couple of times, just, just to convince yourself that it works. So you go after Bermuda grass because the ball's sitting down and you got to chop through it on a steep angle because otherwise you got too much of that poofy grass getting in the way of your club to the ball. And then it messes things up. So you got to come at it a little steeply, you know, up to down, and then you got to have a lot of loft. So you're going to take that wonderful sole plate that we've been talking about this whole time, you know, the bounce angle of the club, Mm -hmm. that bottom of it, and you're going to drive it to the ground right below the ball. And boom, ball comes up. It's got a lot of spin on it. People look at you like, my God, how'd you learn how to do that shot? And you'll look at them and smile and go, I learned it from those weekend golf guys. That's right. <laughs> That's all going to work, right? Uh, let me ask you a question about stinking uh, Bermuda grass. Let's say it's being used in a course that's uh, a little bit too far north to use Bermuda grass. And yeah. the temperature has gotten to the point where it's getting uh, brown, dormant, and gnarly. Do yeah. you play it any differently? Well, the first thing I want to do is kind of walk on it, you know, or nearby it, find out how soft it is. Okay. Because see, now dormant Bermuda, now this is a grass I can deal with, <laughs> right? This is a grass I don't curse all the time because it's dormant. And it just kind of sits like dormant Bermuda and dormant Zoysia are grasses that the ball kind of sits on it like it's a little Brillo pad, right? It's just. And it sounds like get, a Brillo pad when you walk on it too. Yeah, right. It's a little crusty. You know, it's actually a pretty decent playing surface until, of course, it's rainy. And then all of a sudden you have this muck and slippery muck if you're playing on dormant Bermuda and it's rainy. I digress. Let's go back to dormant Bermuda when it's nice. Okay. Literally, it's like playing off your carpet. Okay. Yeah. It's got a little bit of give to it. There's really no resistance whatsoever. This is the time where you could go a little less bounce. Because the ball's not going to sink down into it. And as long as that ground isn't all soggy, I think you can get away with less bounce here and hit a different kind of shot. How many choices do you have in bounce angles? I mean, does every company have their own angle that they do? Or does every company make a series of different wedges with different angles and 
they they make series of they make them like okay like for example Titleist has a S grind and they grind some off and then they have an M grind and they grind more off and then they have okay. a K grind and they don't really grind much off there at all and so there's different series of wedges that they have they call it relief off the sole I don't know why they call it relief maybe they're relieving you from the pain of sculling more shots I don't I think that might be it <laughs> but they call it that and what they've done is they've just got out the bench grinder and they stuck the back of that wedge and they took some more that metal off over by the heel so you could lay the handle down a little bit without raising the leading edge and sculling the snot out of it yet again so I think that there's some important things to note here do a little bit of studying on this and you'll find out that a lot of these companies have got this thing figured out you know they got engineers and they get creative and they got bench grinders and they create something. They get a bunch of players to go test it and go, Ooh, I like this one for this. And I like this one for that. And next thing you know, they got themselves a whole slew of wedges that they can do. We, we don't have the, uh, the liberty of being able to uh, walk to the company trailer an hour before we start our round and saying, uh, it looks a little soft out there. I know. Give me a wedge, man. <laughs> But these, you know, but these guys are pretty good at saying, hey, guess what? We created this wedge for this reason and actually putting it on their website and writing it down. So we can so read a little, little bit. a little research on, yeah. on behalf of uh, or on the part of us, the amateur golfer would go a long way in helping us decide what we want to put in the bag. Yeah. Now, again, sure would. Would, would you as as a, a very. Um, good teacher and and you know very much aware of some of the financial restraints that a lot of golfers have especially the married ones um would you suggest they they get like just one grind for a sand wedge one grind for a lob wedge or or would you suggest they get multiple wedges with different grinds and just take them with well them? i would definitely go different grinds okay you know look Around the greens, I've got different options. Let's just say that we're not discussing the traveling golfer anymore, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking about the guy who's going to park himself in his region, and he's going to play a little bit of golf and doesn't want to spend a whole bunch of money on golf equipment. And, mm -hmm. you know, he mm -hmm. wants to have something that he can kind of bank on. Yeah. All right. So I would start to think a little bit about having two different bounces on your sand wedge versus your lob wedge. Okay. I would hedge toward a little wider sole plate on the, the, the lob wedge. Okay. And a little less bounce than the, than the sand wedge, the sand wedge, I'd, I'd hedge a little bit toward uh, more bounce on the sand wedge for a couple of reasons. One, if you're only going to have those two, It'd be nice to have them be different enough on the sole plate to pass through the kind of grass that's in your area anyway. So you get two different kind of shots. However, there's also the one club is designed for one thing, one club is designed for the other thing thought in your head. I need them to be a little bit different because if I need something that's dealt with on the tighter lies around the greens thing, I want a lower bounce club. Okay. And if I want to deal with something on these softer, fluffier lies around the greens thing, I want a higher bounce club. So having one, you know, the two wedges kind of complement each other is a really good thing. Okay. If you're not the traveling golfer. Gotcha. Right. 
So but most of this conversation has been about the guy who's going to deal with different scenarios. Yeah, geographic and regions and, yes. and the right the associated uh, conditions thereof. But yeah, it's even smart for 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 me who doesn't you know go more than twenty feet away from his home most of the time. Anyhow, right. uh, I I hear you, man, and I hope you've heard him. And again, you can re-listen if you need to uh, get confused about bounce and more is less and less is more and what does what, or you can uh, ask somebody, jeffsmithgolfinstruction.com, send them a message and say, uh, could you please explain that to me one more time? Uh, Otherwise, get yourself uh, some choices and wedges so that you've got the right equipment the next time you go out and play some golf. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.